0: Greg Ambrosius
1: from the National Fantasy Football Championship is with us tonight. Let us get it going, Mike.
0: I'm
1: living in that 21st century, doing something mean to it. Do it better than anybody you ever seen. Do it, throw some ladies, got a nice ring to it. I guess every two don't need the same music. I want men to have all that power. The top ticking, I just count the hours. Stop chipping, I'm pressing off the power. The system broken, the school closed, the prison's open. We ain't got nothing to lose, everybody. We rolling. Uh-huh, everybody, we rolling.
0: One bleeds red. One bleeds blue. Two friends. One heated rivalry. It's intense. It's no holds barred. It's game time. All right, let's go. On Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio with your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Scott and Mike and their versatility bring new light to many topics in and out of the world of fantasy sports guests can reach the show by calling 347-324-5404. Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. Let's hope they're still friends afterwards. Here they are, Scott and Mike.
2: What up?
1: Part of your night. I'm Scott Atkins, Team Legacy in the world of high-stakes fantasy football. And as always, I'm joined by the Big Blue co from Brandenburg, Kentucky. Michael Trent, Mike. Uh, you had a pretty good draft. I tell you what, I sat back and watched. We had our local draft last Saturday. That's what it's all about: getting together with the buddies and the fellas, and uh, kicking back a few, and uh, putting the names up on the board. And Mike, I got to tell you. You had one of the best drafts I've ever seen you assemble. So kudos to you, man.
2: Well, thanks a lot, Scott. And it's uh, good to uh, good to be with the rest of the crew tonight. And uh, yeah, appreciate that. Uh, you know, I'm pretty much ready to go. Uh, I like to see what uh, let's like see what's going on. And uh, right now, uh, that that had to hurt a lot of people. Uh, with that, uh, Ryan Williams deal, uh, but. Uh, you know, it, it's just uh, you know, it's one of them things that you know. If you get uh, the certain players falling to you at a certain point, then uh, you can go ahead and uh, make that pull. I mean, who would have thought that Tony Romo would fall in uh, in round seven? I
1: mean, give me a break. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number we stream live every week on Blog Talk Radio fsc.fm, the Fantasy Sports Channel's own. 24 hours a day, seven day a week channel dedicated to fantasy sports. Mark Ronick and the guys are bringing it to you every single day, 24 hours a day. Uh, we streamline live on iTunes Radio as well. So if you uh, break out your iPod or your MP3 player, you can definitely get uh, get uh, listen to us on iTunes. Mike, uh, I'm telling you, I want I want everybody to hear about your team here. We use FFPC scoring for our local league. We have for several years now the tight end twist, the dual flex has always looked really appealing to us. And uh, you went with uh, let me let me just read this team off again. It's a pretty good competitive league. There's some there's a couple of reaches. There's a couple of guys who uh, are taking veterans over the the, prove the the young hot names. But it's usually a pretty competitive draft. And, and Mike, I, I tell you, I'm going to read this team off, and I think people are going to be impressed. You got Tony Romo and Kevin Cobb at quarterback, very solid. Got Romo really late there. I'll let you comment on this in a minute. Ray Rice, Ryan Matthews, garrett Blunt at running back. Hakeem Nix, Braylon Edwards, uh, Mike Wallace, Mike Thomas, Steve Smith, Emmanuel Sanders, and then your tight ends, Jimmy Graham and Chris Cooley. Mike, you didn't miss a beat, dude. That is one hell of a draft.
2: Yeah, you know what? Uh, it just it kind of came into place there uh, as as it was going. Uh, I was pretty happy with it uh, to start out. First, I wanted Ray Rice. I mean, that was uh, that was. First and foremost, in my uh, in my in my picture, and then when uh, Hakeem Nix came around, then he was available. I mean, Peyton Manning went before me. Uh, there was a there was a quarterback run that went before me, and that's something that uh, we all have to be aware of. Is uh, you got to be aware of those uh, runs. But there was quarterback run of uh, Aaron Rodgers, Peyton Manning right before me, so I went ahead and uh, I said, the heck with the." quarterback run, I'm gonna take hockey next. So uh right in front of me uh Miles Austin went. So I like I like Mike Wallace instead of Miles Austin, so I went ahead and got Mike Wallace and then uh in the fourth round that was that was very critical, Scott. Um fourth round coming on the back back around was uh LeGarrette Blount. Blunt. He was right there. I had to do it. Pull the trigger. So I'm sitting there after four rounds, I'm looking at two solid running backs, two solid wide receivers.
1: Yeah, you got you got one heck of a team. I just I just posted your team in the chat room. The crew here at Red vs Blue made up of some of the best minds in the world of high stakes fantasy football. Definitely be a part of our interactive chat room during the Red vs Blue hour. I'm going to go ahead and read off uh, my team again. I didn't like it. Uh, I just wasn't feeling it all night, man. I I started off, uh, what was that? I think I drew the eight or nine pick uh, in the draft. Oh, you had the eight. Yeah, Yeah. and I I started off the draft with Calvin Johnson, came back around, and McFadden was still there, so I grabbed him. I I went a little early, but I grabbed Best in the third, uh, came back with um, Witten in the fourth, I, th- I felt the value at tight end there was a little too hard to pass up, and Chase Witten in the fourth and FFPC scoring uh, came back in the fifth with uh, who did I come back with? Uh, oh, Anquan Bolden was there, so I took Bolden at five eight. Uh, turned back okay, around I thought her, you a deal and... there on Marshawn. Yes, yeah, yep,
2: yeah, that's where Lynch, I went. I went.
1: For... Uh, yeah,
2: no. in the sixth, Marshawn Lynch. I, th- I thought you got a deal there.
1: Yeah uh marshawn helped me out saved me up the running back position I, I didn't want to go too too thin there came back with colston in the seventh round again not a guy i'm high on not a guy i'm targeting but in the seventh round this is a guy that hey knee injury or no knee injury it sounds like he's, he's going to be he, he might just be okay uh i mean seventh round you can't really turn down a player the, the caliber of, of colston so got quarterbacks roethlisberger and cutler Uh, Brought in a couple of extra backs. I I took Jerome Harrison for some best insurance. It sounds like I might need it. There's another injury alert. Job is best. Went out of tonight's game with an apparent concussion. The hits keep coming, man. That's that's what I'm saying. It's a a crown royal black. uh, It's a crown royal black kind of night, man. The one thing that might help
2: you, uh, you're pretty high on uh, uh, Greg Little. Uh, Talk to me a little bit, Scott, about uh, Greg Little because – I mean, this guy is—he apparently is uh, the heir apparent in uh, Cleveland. But on the other side of it, you got to remember that uh, Cole McCoy—he's looking fantastic in these uh, preseason games. So, uh, talk to me about that a little.
1: Hey, you know, I'm gonna be honest with you—I don't, I don't know uh, a lot about him. I obviously researched him a lot when during our dynasty drafts. He looks like he's got all the raw talent, all the raw ability. Been out of football for a while. Definitely a playmaker. Uh, does a lot of things on the field and a very physical uh, physical presence out there. So we'll see what he's able to do uh, as Colt McCoy's. I mean, number one target to me. You know, I, there's not a lot of other options there. What do you got? You got Cribs, uh You got Masaquai that's uh, dinged up. You got a couple of other guys that just don't really mean much. And you got a couple of tight ends. You had Evan Moore had a big night tonight. You know, you never know what's going to happen in Cleveland. What I do know is. They're gonna lose a lot of games, and they're gonna be behind. They're gonna be throwing the ball, and uh, Greg Little was just a nice little pick late there that I that I thought I'd, I'd take. But so, so yeah, I'm gonna post the team. I want the crew, at the chat room here to kind of uh, tell us on paper which team they like more, and uh, we'll we'll, we'll list some responses for that tonight. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. Greg Ambrosius will be our guest here a little bit later in the show. Uh, From the National Fantasy Football Championship, obviously the big news with the NFFC this year, purchased and acquired by Stat Inc., a big, big move and a successful move for Greg and Tom and the guys at the NFFC. For the guys that uh, are new to this show or new to the high-stakes world, the NFFC has been around for a long time. They've uh, always paid their players. They uh, have a good contest. They started off with the classic. It's a 14-teamer, 100 grand top prize. Has a couple of quirks, Mike. You know you know what I'm talking about. The half a point per reception for running backs, the six points per touchdown for quarterbacks, and it's a 14-team draft. They also decide to throw in a little twist, a couple of twists called 3RR and KDS. 3RR is third-round reversal, where the third round, instead of doing snake, where the first pick starts off the third round, the, the 14 pick starts off the third round. Back in the LT days, we'll let Greg talk about why he kept 3RR around. And then he has KDS, which is a unique way of uh, selecting your draft slot. So, Mike, we played in NFFC a long time. We've yet to crack that uh, proverbial nut there and win a league title. It's a very tough competition, the 14-teamer. Yeah,
2: it's very tough, Scott. And you know we worked at it worked at it and uh we couldn't crack the code and uh maybe uh maybe uh one day soon we will but uh it's very hard i mean you you get into those especially this year uh you get into the first uh 20 rounds and next thing you know it's like wow you know it's just finding out which one you want to get which uh which maybe rookie which and this class is pretty thin, but finding out which rookie or uh, free agent that is going to fit into your system. For instance, uh, a Cam Newton. I mean, can a Cam Newton be that good? Well, we don't know. But I I guarantee you we're going to find out real quick because I think this kid has a lot of talent.
1: Yeah, well, you know what? They're going to be behind in a lot of games as well. I'm not so sure that he is a uh, is a quarterback capable of uh, succeeding at this level. We're going to find out, though. That's uh, that's what the NFL is all about. Uh, Leroy's Aces is the first to respond in the chat room. Mike, that's one vote for your team, buddy. I told you when I when I left the chat room. Oh my room, goodness. I- I, I said I like your team and uh you know what? You you're up uh one oh in the chat room already. So um Oh my god. There you go. That's coming from uh Dave Leroy's aces right there. So uh, I told you I like this team. I, I'm looking Man. at it. You got uh you got Mike Thomas, Mike Wallace, uh Steve Smith, Nick, Rice. And you got Blunt. Blunt that Blunt pick was um you know, hey. We're we're watching LeGarrette Blunt very closely. He's not a guy that's going to get you a lot of receptions. You think he's going to go somewhere in that fourth round area. That's kind of where we've been seeing his ADP. Usually the running backs start to go a little bit faster, though, when the draft starts to approach. So I could easily see LeGarrette Blunt slipping into the third maybe if there's enough faith. It just depends really on on, on drafters and what they think. If they think they've got value at running back later, they'll take the Wes Welkers and Brandon Marshalls and – Des Bryant and Percy Harvin's of the World Over LeGarrette Blunt. You know, he's not getting receptions, but he's a lock for those carries and touchdowns, man. And as long as he stays healthy, the guy's a beast. And uh you gotta be pretty happy about getting a running back the caliber of LeGarrette Blunt in the fourth round.
2: Yeah, no question, Scott. And uh I was uh, hooked on Lagarrett Blunt when uh in in Oregon when he went off and got pretty you know, he went ballistic, but uh you know, I like that. You know, that's I saw character in this kid, and I was like, you know what? I'm going to draft him. I drafted him in a uh, dynasty league uh, two years ago, and, or year and a half ago, whatever. But uh, I loved him, and I, I loved him then. I love him now. And, uh, you know, the, they're going to continue to pound the ball to him, but uh, they also have the uh, versatility with uh, Josh Freeman and the White House. And this team, uh, this team can – you know they can make – they can they can be good.
1: Mike, you got another vote in the chat room from Billy Walls. You're up two zero, and the night is still young, man. I'm telling you, you got to get a lot of love for that team. I'm telling you, definite playoff team. Have you been waiting to make you made the playoffs last year? And we'll never forget the um, we'll never forget the bold uh, prediction that you made in the playoffs when yeah. you uh, when you had this to say. Sure. And, and the thing is, I'm thinking about should
2: I show mercy on you? Should I start dancing and show mercy? Or should I start terrain and really just hammer you down? I don't know what to do. I I don't know. Part of me feels like mercy, part of me feels like eh, go ahead and start dancing and just win by ten, twelve points.
1: You think you think you're gonna you think you're gonna beat me?
2: <laughs> no, I know I will.
1: And it was uh, it was all over from there, man. It it didn't it didn't uh, it didn't I made, last I made the
2: guarantee. I'll tell you what, Scott. The problem was that I didn't have the the other Ryan guarantee with the uh, ponytails and this and that. I need to I need to have the real Ryan. No, I need to have the real Mike guarantee. I guarantee you, right now I'm saying this on Red versus Blue. Fantasy sports talk radio. I will have a better season than you. Wins, losses. Don't
1: well, lie. hey, you know what? You could you could say that after you see the team that you put together there. That's, uh you 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 hit on all the picks. You got Romo late. You got Blunt late. You uh, you hit on your tight end, Jimmy Graham late. I mean, those guys just kept calling to me. I was like, man, he's not missing anything. He's got the value net out. And he's taking advantage of it. So you uh like I said, you did a you did a really good job. Look, uh first Flip Mikkel Ashore, then Shane Vereen, now Ryan Williams My three rookie running backs uh that have now looked like they're out with injury possibly for the year. Sounds like Vereen might go on IR. What? What do you make of this? What's going on with the rookie running backs? We we play a lot of dynasty. We're involved in a lot of drafts in the offseason, so obviously the rookies have a little buzz, a little more buzz for us than just the redraft game. But what do you make of all this, man? Well, I'll tell
2: you what, Scott. If you take a look at my team and uh, our redraft league uh, that we had, there are no rookies involved. Uh, the reason is because the lockout, that had a major impact on these rookies uh there's a lot of rookies getting hurt uh there was no training camp there's achilles achilles uh left and right uh you know it, it's just it's a thing of uh these kids and which they are kids they don't understand what it takes to go through the rigors of a of a training camp uh to go through it day in and day out uh I know they've got they've gotten rid of the, the two days. But, uh, you know, just for these kids to go through these uh, this training camp stuff, it, you know, it, it's difficult for them. And, you know, I think it's going to affect any rookie that's coming in. Uh, I know I was high on Cam Newton. I talked about him. I still am. But, uh, you know, there's a lot of rookies that they're going to have a tough time come
1: week five, six, seven. Three four seven three two four five four zero four is the number. Mike and I are sitting here talking a, a little bit of fantasy football waiting for our buddy Greg Ambrosius to join us. Uh, our friend Greg Ambrosius to join us tonight uh, to talk about the NFFC and to talk about uh, the World Championship of Fantasy Football. Greg has some thoughts that he'd like to share uh, with all of us and the crew in the chat room at Red vs. Blue tonight. So uh, We're waiting on him for a few more minutes and he should be joining us. Uh, Mike, we've... Uh, You know, again, I have uh, Ryan Williams in just about every dynasty league I'm in. But I've got another rookie running back that I've also been very high on that I have in just about every dynasty league as well, and that's the Roy Helu. I just like saying Roy Helu. The Helu monster got loose tonight uh, against the Colts, albeit the Colts, but he looked really good 100 yards on the night, Mike. Uh, This kid, uh, I always said, as I watched college football last year, Ingram was a a heck of a player, obviously. Uh, We have um, Roy Helu in Nebraska, and this kid, I said, you know what? If you gave him uh, the offensive line that Ingram had in Alabama, it would be pretty darn special for this kid, so... Uh talk yeah. about what you uh, what you see in some of these rookies, man. Roy Helu, It looks like uh there's not a lot of other I mean you got Hightower there, right? And what else do you have? Uh, Ryan Terrain, that's about it.
2: Yeah, you know, Roy uh Hulu, he, he's gonna be fine as long as uh Shanahan likes him. Uh, it all boils down to that. If Shanahan likes him, Heloo's gonna be fine. Uh Tim Hightower, he's number one in that offense, but uh Helu I mean, it's running back by, by committee uh, in this day and time, and that's just the way it is. It, it'll be amazing.
0: Hello,
2: Scrooge. Uh, hello? Hello, Scrooge. Greg. Greg's
1: with it. Greg, Greg right. just joined us. Uh, sorry about the technical difficulties. Greg. Greg was having some issues coming in. The circuits were busy, and the lines are jam-packed. Greg, what do you say, man?
3: I guess I've been trying for five minutes. It's like uh, nobody could get me home. You let me in, let me in. I'm ready.
1: You're home now, Greg.
3: All right, I feel good.
1: Good deal. Hey, Greg, thanks for being on Red versus Blue. You're always a welcome guest here on the program. We've uh, we started off talking a little bit uh, about some of these rookies going down, but I know once you're here, we, we're going to have to talk some Green Bay Packers. Uh, the, tonight you, you saw a little bit of everything from uh, Green Bay. You saw Aaron Rodgers do his thing. You saw Finley get out there and look good. You saw Greg Jennings hook up. And you've got a real player on your hands as a backup quarterback. It was almost like, a, you know, their little secret that they held on to this guy. And uh, what they dropped, they dropped Brian Brom, let him go. They said, we got Matt Flynn. There's no reason. Uh, we're going to be pretty good if Rodgers goes down. And he looked really good last year in that game when, uh, against the Patriots.
3: Yep. Yeah, no, I think they've got something in this kid. Uh, I think he's going to be available next year. I don't know if they can keep him past this year. But, uh, you know, the situation that he's in is the same with Rodgers, where you sit there for two, three years. You know, this whole talk about Tim Tebow being upset because he's not a starter at the start of his second year. Give me a break. I mean, you don't just walk in and become an NFL quarterback. You sit there and you learn. I mean, Flynn a couple years ago, just look like a scared little rabbit out there and same with Rodgers when he came in I remember that that first preseason game when Favre was still there he looked like just a college kid they need three years to develop and you can see in Flynn he just looks so comfortable in the pocket right now and uh, he's going to be a good NFL quarterback Uh, I don't know if you got keeper leagues but if you do I know I'd stash this kid away for a while I think he could be a starter somewhere in the NFL next year.
1: He definitely looked comfortable. That's uh, that's something you always look for from a, from a kid that young coming into the league. Uh, the, the Patriots game he really showed us a lot. I mean, that was a that was a yeah. very uh, stressful game for both fan bases, and, yeah. and he looked really good. Great game. So
3: yeah, he looked real good. They were blitzing a lot at him that game, and he really looked good against New England. But uh, he's got he's got the moxie. I think he's going to be a good NFL quarterback someday, just not yep. in Green Bay, unfortunately. <laughs> hmm.
1: Listen, great. We uh, we we have a different crew in here tonight. Red versus blue. It's usually a, a steady crowd of uh, high stakes veterans and the mid stake veterans. Yeah. Well, now there's been a lot of uh, a lot of new listeners coming in. So I want to I want to just go ahead cool. and give you the floor here, for a quick second, to talk about the NFFC, what stats is bringing to the table, and just give you the floor for a minute.
3: Yeah, no, no problem. No, this is a great program for the high-stakes players. I know that they're always looking for insight and such like that. And, uh, you know, to a lot of your guys, uh, they don't know what the National Fantasy Football Championship is. Uh, you know, the World Championship of Fantasy Football was the first one out there in 2002. And I walked into that room that first year at the MGM Grand as we walked down that long hall, all these football jerseys walking as one, waiting outside to open the doors to see what that thing looked like. And when Lenny and Amel opened the doors up and you saw 50 draft tables in that huge room at the MGM Grand, it was unbelievable. And from that moment on, you know, my career really changed because I saw that and said, wow, I could do this in baseball. You know, I wasn't going to compete with those guys. I wanted to work with them and do baseball. So I created the National Fantasy Baseball Championship, and I did a high-stakes multi-city live uh, event. You know, we did drafts in Las Vegas, Chicago, and New York, and, uh... You know, when I saw that football was king and Lenny and Amo were getting 600 teams and stuff, I thought, heck, I could do this for football, too, and do a 14-team. So I never tried to compete with the WCOFF. I always did a week earlier than them. I did on Labor Day weekend, and I did a 14-team format. And the classic, the NFFC Classic, a 14-teamer, has a $100,000 grand prize, and uh, it's got its own little niche. But there's no doubt the 12-teamer is the most common form for fantasy players. And uh, we've branched now to where we have a $100,000 grand prize in the 14-team format and in the 12-team format. And honestly, when I saw what was going to happen to the WCOFF, I decided for the first time to expand to Las Vegas on the first weekend of the NFL season. So we're really the only contest right now that's in multi-cities. We're in New York, Chicago, and Las Vegas on Labor Day weekend. We've got the 14-team drafts and the 12-team drafts. And then in Las Vegas, on the first weekend of the NFL season, we've got uh, 12 team prime times, shot to win $100,000. We're at the Bellagio. Uh, we drink with the best of you. Come on over, and I think you can win some money. But uh, it's a unique contest. As you know, we do third-round reversal and KDS, a couple of little quirks. But honestly, it's pretty close to anything you'll see from the WCOFF. It's PPR. Uh, we do have six points per passing touchdowns. But uh, otherwise, the format's pretty much the same.
1: Well, we played with it uh start of year two there. We missed that first year and then came on board. Mike and I traveled up uh, 65 there, over to cut over to Chicago from Minneapolis, <laughs> And uh, what a, it's a, lot, a lot of fun. We uh, we haven't been able to crack that uh, nut, so to speak, as at a at 14-teamer. And uh, yep. that, that's still been a challenge. It's, it is a different type of draft. You've got to be ready for it. You yeah, can't yeah. uh you can't be uh you, you gotta have your strategy in line. Tight end is still an important position in that and quarterback is as well, but uh I, I would. some people will say that in the fourteen team where you, you still gotta get get your tight end early because if you don't, uh you, you you're on the end of that I mean, I know Mike and I drafted from that fourteen spot a couple years and it's it's awful tough. You can you miss that on a run and you're you're yeah. you know, it's a long way away.
3: Yeah, I think people are surprised by what the extra two teams do. I mean, uh you leave that 14-team draft, and everybody's got a hole somewhere. Nobody's got a perfect draft. Everybody knows they got a little work to do yet. That the 12-teamer just seems. Uh, everybody leaves kind of happy. They're loving their team and stuff. But that 14-teamer is a little bit tougher. And like you said, the runs take place. And and again, like you said, when you drafted from the 14-hole, that was pretty tough in a straight serpentine draft. And we knew that. Uh, it, that guy from the number one and two spots had a little more of an advantage. So that's why we did go with third-round reversal where we go 1-14 to in round 1, 14-1 in round 2, and then we go right back down to 14 to start round 3. And then from that point on, it's all Serpentine. But uh, we found, especially in the 14-team format, that it really seems to balance the power you can win from anywhere. Tom Yates, in fact, wanted to draft from the 14 spot in 2009. Had a perfect draft with three wide receivers right from the get-go, won $100,000. And keeps picking fourteen even afterwards. Now he wants to be down there. I don't know, Tommy. Are you going to change strategies pretty soon?
2: <laughs> well, I tell you what. Uh, you know, really, Greg, it's been uh, it's been very difficult uh, cracking that code, like what Scott said. But uh, yeah. uh, right now, one through fourteen, if you had to bid some money, uh, where would you go?
3: <laughs> yeah, that's a
2: great.
3: That's a great question because we've had a lot of pay leagues here and we're actually analyzing all the KDS preferences that people are listing and I'm telling you it's all over the board this is the first time where I've seen you know almost everybody get the KDS that they want because what somebody wants six somebody wants five somebody wants 12 somebody wants 10 it's unreal it's so much fun seating people this year because they are getting the spots they want I'll tell you where people are gravitating right now is kind of to the middle nobody wants to be left out on the runs Nobody feels there's that dominant back. Yes, Arian Foster is going number one and Peterson probably number two, but do they really want to be up there and then lose out on the 3RR? So a lot of people are picking 6, 7, 8. They want to be in the middle and just kind of not lose any of the runs. Personally, you know, I like the top running backs. I think I'd take my chances if I had Foster or Peterson or Charles, I think, right from the get-go. But uh, I can see where people would like to be in the middle, no doubt about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, Greg, that's, uh, that's uh, middle middle of something. And you're, when you're in 14-teamers, man, there's nothing like getting caught on a run. And so I like that. Yeah. definitely like that flexibility. So it will be interesting to, to analyze that KDS draft yeah. options. Look, you brought up the World Championship of Fantasy Football. Let's get this out in the open. Yeah. Our, our player list owed is over $800,000. In just a few short days, we started skyrocketing up those yeah. numbers as yeah. people started to, uh, you know, kind of reach into panic mode a little bit here. Yeah. And the list is growing every day, Greg. I, I get emails every single day from players yeah. uh on behalf of the Fantasy Players Association. They're chiming in, they're asking what's going on. Yeah. And uh we we are uh we we have our our legal advisor Jack Hahn looking into options for us, looking in looking at for the players best interest here, looking at what the best options are for the players and trying to get everybody to collectively move as a one voice here. But yeah. what are your thoughts on this tragedy that we're we're witnessing here unfold?
3: Well, it's embarrassing. It's totally embarrassing for the fantasy sports industry, and it's not only embarrassing on what happened with the money being not given out, uh, it's the accountability right now. Even right now, nobody has gone on that site to say the WCOFF is canceled for 2011. I mean, RT Sports had to come out with a press release just to let people know that they weren't the one that killed any sale. They weren't the ones that have caused this problem. They're just a company running games, and they were a a contractor that was hired to do a job. And this year, there was no contract. And that contract certainly wasn't signed on Monday when the deadline was given to Dustin. And yet nobody is there saying, we don't have a stat service. We couldn't possibly run a game even if we hosted the finest draft in the world because there is no stat service. There aren't multiple companies that can do third-party games. There's very limited. As FFPC found out last year, and they got RT Sports. So I'm looking for someone to man up and tell the truth. If you go on those boards right now, people are still hoping that there's going to be a WCUFF. I've been on the phone all week talking to these customers. It's painful. It's terrible. These people have had life-altering changes here. Tony Windus, who I've just talked to, you know, he's coming into the NFFC. Great guy. What a great, great guy from Laramie, Wyoming. Win $300,000. Now, I don't know if he's been paid in full or not, but uh, I think he is owed some money, and it's just not right. This is a guy who had the best season of his life and it has been taken away from him because someone wasn't honest with him. Scott, you're $800,000 short, plain and simple. Uh, They owe more than that for sure. I know what the figure is, and it's just not right. This was something that could have been avoided. They didn't need to dip into baseball when they knew what the football situation is, and it's unfortunate. I'm embarrassed. I've been around in this industry for 22 years. I've seen a lot of people do a lot of dumb things. This is the dumbest. The dumbest even more is not being honest with people and telling them what the hell's going on right now. On Monday, after he knew that RT Sports could not run their game, he picked the draft spots and announced them on online and then disappeared for 5 days. This is unconscionable. Treat human beings like you would want them to be treated, and this is not right. Now, that being said, the high-stakes space should not be painted with the same brush. Not all of us run games like this. Not all of us play with the money like that. Not all of us invest football into baseball contests that are going to lose money, and everybody knows it. So I hope people realize, and that's why I've been saying all week, if you don't play with me, that's fine. Play with FFPC. But play somewhere. Don't leave this space. Last year, between the three contests, there were 1,700 teams. That played in the high stakes events. This year we're around 900. I think FFPC is at 550 and we're 420 something. So that's 800 teams that have either left the space or are looking for a new home. And I hope they come to a new home and not leave the space. They have damaged this space maybe forever. And uh, this shit just shouldn't happen. This is a shame. It, It was avoidable, it could have been avoided and it never should have happened. And I feel terrible for the players, and I apologize them on behalf of the industry.
1: Well, our guest tonight is Greg Ambrosius from the National Fantasy Football Championship, $100,000 top prize in both the primetime and classic contests, drafting live out of Las Vegas, uh, Chicago, New York, online. Uh, Greg, why do you think that Dustin strung people along, uh, allowing them to, to – you believe that even even now that there's going to be a two thousand and eleven world championship,
3: well, I mean, I can't speak for him, obviously, but uh there's no doubt that they felt that something could be done that there was a value to the w c o f f and there's no question that they were looking for buyers, and there's no question that people looked at them. We certainly looked at them, and when you looked at the bottom line in the debt, the amount of prize money that's owed. I don't believe there's anybody that could have really become the white knight and save them. At the end of the day, the players probably would have had to give up something, like a lot of money. Uh, and so I just think he just kept trying and trying to survive this because it's a valuable property. It could have been a valuable property. Unfortunately, it's just too much deep in red ink. So again, even as today, I think it's just very difficult to admit the obvious and to admit your mistakes. And uh, I'm waiting for them to do it. I mean, each morning I get up and I put that on our message boards. Please tell the people the truth today. Let them move on. There's a lot of people that haven't signed up for other games because they're just hoping that maybe something will happen. And it's not going to happen, guys. RT Sports cannot run their game, and there's nobody else that's going to whip one up in a couple of days for them. So it's over. I don't know how else to say it. But it's over for those guys, and I wish he would just be honest and say it, you know. Uh, I think I know what the next step is for that company, but maybe not. And if they can survive, then he should throw out some positive statements that there's another plan. But uh, I don't know what they could possibly find that could save the day to save this season. So I think people have to move on.
1: Greg, you, you obviously uh were were a vital piece in negotiating uh at the table when the NFFC transitioned from fanball to Stats Inc. Stats Inc. a global leader in information sports and technology. Why didn't Stats uh think about maybe coming to the table and uh saving the world championship?
3: Well, we did we did talk to them. Uh we did come forward a long time ago. And uh again the, ready, the cost to cover the players' prizes is so huge that there's no way you could justify it. I mean, I could start a new contest with a $500,000 grand prize, and certainly have one-third, you know, less investment than than what I would need to do to to be able to to pay that and get the name. The name is valuable, but it's not that valuable. Okay, the customer list is very valuable, no doubt about it, but they've been damaged and i don't think anybody can cover the amount owed it's plain and simple it's plain and simple it's not only the 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 customers that are owed there's other uh, outstanding debts there so so we would have loved to have been the white knight trust me we would have loved to but uh it it just doesn't add up it doesn't add up
1: great did you expect a a bigger migration of world championship players into the NFFC events. What what are what are your thoughts on what you've seen so far?
3: Well, yeah, like I said, I'm I'm just hopeful they stay in the space, and I think we all should be doing that. Uh, right. You know, again, we're going to be in Las Vegas. FFPC is going to be in Las Vegas. It sure looks like 180 people were thinking about being in Las Vegas since they just got their draft picks. So there's no reason for people to leave other than they have no more money after they didn't get their prizes. I think we will see a great migration in the next two weeks. People have just come to the reality that this thing is not going to happen. I mean, on Monday, you were looking at people getting their draft spots. So it's not easy to say goodbye to this. WCOFF owners are a very, very unique, special group. They don't want to let go of 10 years, and I don't blame them. Talking to a couple guys today, they said this was like Christmas Day for 10 years, and they just hope that it doesn't end. But it is. It's going to end. It's not going to be the same anymore. This this space has really changed because of what has happened this week. So I, I think we will get a migration, Absolutely. You know, I hope that we're going to reach our goals of 336 teams and $100,000 grand prize we have in the 12-team format and in the 14-team format. But no matter what number we get, we're certainly guaranteeing our prizes and we are committed to this space. We are going to be a leader and we are going to see this thing through and through. This is a dark, dark time for the players. But you know what? We've got to clean this up together. And the players have to take responsibility too. If yeah. it looks too good to be true, it is too good to be true. There's people that enter that WCOFB, the baseball contest, with a $200,000 grand prize and a $50,000 second prize with a 128 team. It doesn't add up, folks, and people just can't keep losing money. So we all have to be a little more conscionable here. And, again, I think the players have to realize, too, if it's too good to be true, it is too good to be true.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, Greg, uh, you know, I'd I like, uh, like for you to talk about just a couple of minutes about uh, you took over a situation there at, at the NFFC where you went through uh, some turbulent times yourself, mm-hmm. and uh, talk about uh, how you uh, made it right, because uh, you obviously righted the ship, and uh, talk about how you made it right and uh, made it uh, be what it is right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, we were lucky in that uh, we didn't owe any money. Uh, we were purchased by Fanball in 2009, and, you know, we had a, a rocky year in 2000 and, what was that, 2010, but, uh, you know, we, we still paid all the prizes. We didn't pay them as quickly as we had when we were with Krause's, but everything was still an okay season. At the In January of 2011, Liberty decided to fold Fanball completely. They didn't want to be in the fantasy space anymore, but they were nice enough to at least reach out to me and ask if I would be interested in buying the assets to the NFPC and the NFFC. And through that whole transition of six weeks negotiating with the lawyers and getting it done, I was on our boards every day telling people that this is going to work out. Stay with us, hang in there. There wasn't much I could say legally to say it's a done deal or anything like that, but I was being as honest as I could be. And, that's where my situation and, and Dustin's situation is different. I mean, he made one post in 120-plus days. I was on our boards every day reassuring people that this was going to get done. And the promises that I made, I delivered. I felt we would be done by February 18th, which gave us time to, to run the baseball event, and we signed the deal on February 18th. You know, his was 24 to 48 hours, and next week or Monday and that kind of stuff. And you just can't do that. you got to be honest with everybody. Even if it's bad yeah. news honesty is the best policy and he should just be honest through this whole thing and everybody would understood i think what you're seeing right now is people would have been willing to give up parts of their prize money to make this work they would have done anything i think to keep the wcuff alive and if a month ago he would have just came out and been honest i think everything would have worked out in my situation when i was able to buy the assets it was a complete asset acquisition that took a total of six weeks from the beginning until the end and that's with a publicly traded company that has big time lawyers so we did that pretty quickly in six weeks and we were able to announce that we were with stats within a week i had sold part of the assets to stats because i needed a technology company that's why i'm so loud about the rt sports situation they are the heart of that wcuff without the back end you have nothing with me I can be the best salesman of the NFBC and NFFC, but if I don't have good technology behind me and a back end provider to run my game, I'm nothing. And so that's why they were my first phone call and we we decided this was going to be a perfect marriage that we should get together. And uh I was very lucky. Our baseball was a record-breaking year. We've had no hiccups, everything's been great. You know, I, I I'm looking forward to next baseball season. We're really going to be dominant uh next year. And this football the, season what are... I'm real confident.
1: What are the other options, Greg? Uh, You know, I remember the expert sports and the My Fantasy Leagues and the Fan Stars or Fantasy Stars, all these other couple of options that are out there. Are are those capable of, of picking up a contest like WCFF and worrying about the playoff structure and format later if they were ever to find a way to get a deal done?
3: Well, that would be the thing. They'd have to get a way to get the deal done including the statistics and such like that. I mean, you have to be really licensed to be a third-party provider. You just can't use ESPN's commissioner product or anything like that. So, depending on where they're getting the statistics for this, it's a different contract to run somebody else's games and to just use the statistics for your own game. So, you know, that's kind of the situation that I think FFPC found out a couple years ago. Uh that being said, there's just very few third-party providers. If you look back to the WCUFF, and I know this from the 2002, Lenny's probably smiling right now, but the contract they had with TQ Stats was for, let's just say, a few thousand dollars. Okay? Today, it's not worth the time and effort and hassle for these companies to be running somebody else's games for, let's just say, a couple thousand dollars. The cost is very, very high because it is very difficult. This is not easy to do all the things and give the high-stakes players all the perks they want with live scoring and tweaks of games and such like that. So there's very few third-party providers. Back in the old days, you had RT uh, Sports, you had Fanball, you had Stats, uh, you had Roto World was doing it, All-Star Stats. You had all these companies bidding for these type of games. I got the lowest bid myself back then. Now there's very few companies that can do this, and no, nobody would be able to turn the switch on and be able to get it done in a couple of days or weeks, that's for sure.
1: Greg, you've been an insider in the industry for a long, long time, um, Hall of Fame recipient uh, in the industry. Tell me what your advice would be for those players owed. Uh, we get phone calls from them every day, day—500, a 1000 2000 30000 Would your advice be any different uh, depending on the prize amount owed?
3: No. I mean, I think Jack would know this better than I would, but I thought when people were looking into this AFFL situation that if you sued this, what you would be suing for is what your entry fee was that you are you are claiming that you were ripped off of fourteen hundred dollars or eighteen hundred dollars whatever it is i'm not so sure that you can win the grand prize that you thought you had won now jack knows that better than i do but i thought that was the case so i think all the people have to be plaintiffs together here i'm not so sure that the two hundred thousand dollar prize winner gets first in line now he he they're definitely creditors. Whoever has the most money is definitely creditors. But, uh, again, I'm not sure what the sale of assets is going to come to. I mean, it's not like they have a brick-and-mortar building or anything like that. So uh, if it does go to bankruptcy or whatever the case is, uh, I guess the creditors would get in line. But uh, I'm not so sure uh, if it was a suit that the 200000 would be worth more than anybody that paid the same entry fee. Again, Jack would know that better than me, but I just remember having that conversation. Uh, back in the FFL days.
1: What do you think about well, great. the future of high-stakes fantasy football and what the players could do, expect, or even demand of contests to ensure that this type of thing happens, doesn't happen? And obviously, red flags are, are red flags, and the warning labels would be there. But I think we saw Fantasy Jungle was one of those experiments that, when it happened, there were no red flags. There was no smoking gun. There was nothing to give us alarm or cause for alarm when that contest failed, and so, it, do you think the players could ever demand or expect some form of personal guarantee by the by the contest that they're that they're you know that they're working with? I mean, what, do you think something like yes. that could happen?
3: Well, I think it's a great question, and I've had some conversations today with some guys at the WCOFF who really would like to see some type of panel or discussion, and get me and get Dave, get Alex, get whoever's left, I guess, in the space up there in front of all the players and say, what are we going to do going forward here together to make sure that this doesn't happen again? And what can we do? You know, there's a couple of things, and and I'm all for it. You know, if I can get time away, I know those guys were thinking about doing some fantasy football forum or or whatever. Hey, if I can be there, I'll be there. And I'll sit on that panel and I'll have this discussion with the players and competitors and whoever else. Because I think there's two things that we definitely have to, to take a look at, Scott. You know, one is obviously the escrow, which is the buzzword, as I've said before. You know, if if escrow is the only way that players will feel safe, you know, that's one way to pay another company to hold on to your money. I'm not in favor of that only because we, we don't really need another expense in this low margin area to just prove that we have the money on account. But if we need to show somehow, some type of accounting. Uh, we're certainly audited on everything we do at Stats Inc. And we could certainly show where that money is that it's set aside. If escrow is good for them and us having a public accountant show that the money is set aside, that's what we need to do to prove trust again, then let's do it. The second one is rollovers. And I've been adamant on this for exactly why what we're looking at with WCOFF. They had over $600,000 in rollover money. Okay, That was money that wasn't paid out at the end of the year. That kind of was hidden and allowed them to live for another day. And, in fact, it might have kept the season going this year because so many people were able to roll over. You probably could have thrown out a game with a $100,000 grand prize and maybe gone off. But there was so much also prizes, cash prizes owed that it just got impossible. But the rollovers, I think at the end of the year, the game operators have got to pay out in cash and start anew. And nobody's hiding anything. And if everybody pays off on time, in full, I'm trusting you next year. Uh, But your point about Fantasy Jungle and such was very important. Nobody saw that coming from those guys. Actually, nobody saw it from AFFL.com. Neil and his wife ran a pretty good ship there. They both apparently saw the high cost of paying a stat provider because that is a big cost, like I was talking about, and felt they could develop software themselves and got in the hole that way. So the back-end situation is very important in this space because it's costly it's not free. And uh I think that just needs to be in the open too. That this is the biggest expense for a lot of game operators and are they able to be able to handle it? Last thing we want to know is learn that uh they paid some programmer 250,000 to develop their software and that's where the prize money went. Oh, great. You
1: know, it's it's a, it's a Crown Royal Black kind of night here, at red versus blue. Yeah. It's nice. Oh.
2: Hey,
3: and I'll have one to... pour me one. <laughs>
1: hey, that's good stuff, can't... man. <laughs> We've got the preseason. We've got the preseason. We've got games and action going on. Don't we want? Can we just move past it? Just be done with it. You, you've given a lot of insight to the players here tonight, but let's let's talk about the NFFC. You draw the number one pick in the draft, and man, it's a terrible segue. You get, you get the number one. That pick is a pick terrible
3: segue. I will admit that, big time. <laughs>
1: I just want to move past it, man. I just want to have another drink and listen to you talk about no, number not.
3: one pick. Well, I, Scott, I will say, Scott, Scott I'm not I, I'm not on here to be a, a downer either, you know. But this is
2: no. so important
3: for our space. I mean, it's just so critical that uh, so many people have been affected. I, and again, I just don't want people leaving the space. I want them to get excited and talk football. And that's the segue. Let's talk football. Let's get over this shit. It's unfortunate what happened, but it happened the reality is it but happened totally,
2: Greg, you know i totally agree with you i mean you 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 have to address these things and uh, yep. and that's that's a part of that's part of the yep. business that we're in that's part of the business what that we love and uh, i i certainly appreciate the last uh the last 10 minutes have been so impactful to so many uh high stakes uh or bench stakes uh, individuals that want to get into into the uh, into the league. I mean, that was great. So we can move on, but I appreciate that.
3: Yeah, no problem. And and again, I think the games that are out there, we can't be having backstabbing. This game's better than mine, and I don't play over there. I play here. Oh. Hey, we're all in this together right now. There's two of us. Name any industry that has only two products. That's it. You know. And if their other competitors come in, fine, it's buyer beware, trust me, but fine, come on in. And if two products can't get along, then that says more about us as game operators and players. So let's get along, let's talk football, and let's make this work because the next one that fails is the last one that fails, and we're done.
2: Exactly, exactly. The more the better. That that makes the whole industry so much more healthier.
3: Yep, yep.
1: Greg, you're, you're obviously a writer by trade. I tell you, I, I get on your boards and I see these these uh, <laughs> memoirs, man. You put out some material for all of us to, to read and, and digest and think about. And, and, and it just seems like that's not it's, – it's going on and it is real. But when we – it's like when I come to your board, I want to hear about NFFC. Yeah. And I hope that we can finally, you know, starting today, tonight, tomorrow – it's it's about the NFFC on your board. It's about prime time. Yeah. It's about Vegas, Chicago, New York, yeah. and yeah. this thing is too much fun. We've, we I, I was in that sixty dollars uh, fourteen yeah. teamer that you know when we did it online. It was, it was yeah. a lot of fun playing with those guys. And yeah. we got Billy yeah. Watts in the chat room. We got a lot of good things going on in NFFC. So I guess yeah. the number one pick. What do I what do I do with him, man?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, Arian Foster has gone. We've had twenty 28- eight drafts already and he's gone number one 26 times so I guess my advice to you is take Arian Foster <laughs> but uh, he, he's definitely going number one and then it's Peterson two and Jamal Charles has definitely gone to three you know the, the early part is Chris Johnson what are you going to do with him this damn holdout is scary right now and uh, he fell the sixth the other night and I think he fell the seventh actually one time yeah seventh so he's the wild card in the early going if he gets in camp in time and he gets enough training You can feel safe taking him in the top four. But I'll tell you what, if he comes in last second, those hamstrings and stuff, you know that never works out when a guy does that. He's a scary one early on.
1: Now, the guy that Mike is high on is Ray Rice. Uh, The guy averaged 3.9 yards a carry last year. Didn't have a lot of big explosive plays. Do you you trust a guy averaging less than four yards a carry to be your, your, you know, number number two pick off the board?
3: No, he wouldn't be my number two pick off the board, but he'd definitely be in the top five. Heck, he had a touchdown tonight, looked pretty good. You know, he's a tough little back, and without McGahee there right now, I think Rice is going to be fine. He's great as a pass catcher. You know, the PPR, he's he's dynamo. I have no problem with Ray Rice this year. He's definitely in my top five. But, uh you know, I definitely would take him after Foster, Peterson, Charles, and CJ if he's signed on time. But I got no problems with Ray Rice. He's going to be dynamo this year. Throw it.
2: Well, I'll tell you what, Greg, you would take him after Charles.
3: Absolutely. I want CJ.
1: Charles has a brutal schedule compared to last year. Talk about that. Six yards to carry last year with a cupcake schedule. This year he gets a lot stiffer competition, Greg. Talk about that.
3: Well, I mean, it's a tough – there's no doubt. The matchups are always tough for him. But uh, I'm telling you, I think that Kansas City offense is going to be solid this year. You know, everybody was worried about Thomas Jones stealing his carries and taking every touchdown away from him last year. But the kid's a dynamo. Get him in the open field. It's tough to corral speed, even if good defense. It's tough once that guy gets out in the open field. I like him a lot. And uh, NFFC owners are drafting him in top three, too. I mean, he has not fallen below Ray Rice in very many drafts.
2: Well, Greg, i I, I got to throw, throw it out at you. Uh, which is the best team, Baltimore or Kansas City?
3: Offensively or defense, or all around?
2: All, all around.
3: I think Baltimore is still, they've had a lot of losses uh, through free agency and such in the offseason, but, I mean, that Baltimore team is still solid. Uh, I think they're a better team than Kansas City this year. That
1: was a fun playoff game. I really enjoyed watching those two teams go ahead. That, that, was, oh, that was a lot of fun.
3: Uh, me, like I don't bet against Ray. I don't, I don't bet against Ray Lewis, man. I mean, that guy just gets everybody pumped up and everything, and, now that it is U is in trouble, he's really going to be fired up to win this year.
1: Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, man, what a defense. Look, <laughs> one, one last thing before we go here. Quarterback sure. position, is all, it seems like the high-stakes world really understands this better than most, but most people wait on a quarterback, so it's a two-part question here. I know you're a big Aaron Rodgers fan. You're a big Green Bay Packer fan. At what point does drafting a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers makes sense for you, and then yeah. give us a name of a quarterback that you really are happy about, you know, calling to you and waiting until you're the last guy in the draft to take.
3: Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I don't like to take a quarterback in the first round, even with our scoring system of six points per passing touchdown, just because I always feel like I'm light at running back and then light at wide receiver. I almost feel like I'm playing catch-up the rest of the way. And while I'd like to have Rodgers or Vic. To me, taking either one of them first or second, it just isn't going to happen for me because I just feel like I'm way too far. I know Tom's saying we're going to take Rodgers if he's 7th or 8th in these FFPC drafts, but uh, it ain't happening, Tom. It's just, I feel like i got to get a running back there or a wide receiver. So for me, I can see where people are taking Rodgers' ADP is 14, Vic is 15. Those guys are going right at the turn in NFFC drafts. For me, I just would feel like I'm too light in running back and wide receiver. You know, if I was taking the last quarterback, like you said, in the, in the draft, I mean, Matthew Stafford right now is the 13th quarterback taken. Josh Freeman is the 12th quarterback taken. I'll tell you what, if Stafford could stay healthy, I know that's a big if. but you asked me which one would be the last one of the quarterbacks that I'd have to take. It, that offense with C.J. could be really, really tough, and I, this C.J. looks really good. I could see Stafford putting up some numbers this year, so I'll throw him out there to answer your question.
1: All right, Greg Ambrosius from the National Fantasy Football Championship, the National Fantasy Baseball Championship. Even though I don't play, Mike's a big baseball player. Maybe you could talk him in this to give it a look next year. But thanks for being on all the right, show, yeah. man. We, we really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you in Vegas for sure. And uh, uh, good luck and best of success, man.
3: All right, thanks. I'll see you guys out in Las Vegas. Thanks for all you do. And keep these guys in the high-stakes space. We're going to get through this, and everything's going to be good. All right?
1: Thanks, Greg.
3: All right, thanks, guys. We'll see you.
1: That's Greg Ambrosius of the uh, National Fantasy Football Champions, Mike. Uh, he had a lot to say about the World Championship. We did get him to talk a little bit about his Packers. That's kind of what I wanted to do. i say tell you, yeah. there's nothing that bothers me more than going on these boards. If you notice, I've been kind of hibernating on, both, on all the boards, FFPC, NFFC. I, I go on the boards. I don't want to just – I'm already consumed with this stuff. The FPA has turned this thing into a – It's more of a – there's a big, heavy responsibility here to just reach out to the players to let them know what we know or to give guidance. And, Mike, I don't want to come on to the high-stakes boards and read about it anymore. I'm done with that. Let's move on. Case closed. Chapter over. We'll still take care of these guys. But I want to – when I go to FFPC and NFFC, I want to talk football. Exactly. Exactly.
2: And I just went to the NFFC – uh, site And uh, that's what I was doing. And, you know, I love it. I love it. Let's just talk football. Let's talk about uh, the high stakes drafts that are getting ready to happen. And uh, that's, that's what it's all about, Scott.
1: I'm sure you're going to wait on your quarterback. I'm sure you're going to wait on your tight end. If you're a high stakes player, you know
0: what I'm talking about. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to Red vs. Blue Sports Talk Radio, where Planet Red and Big Blue Nation collide. With your hosts, Scott Atkins and Michael Trent. Please join us next time.